Pass First point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is another edition of Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag segment answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. There are two ways to get involved if you choose to do so. You can tweet at me at Mike G. Rich to send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it or watch the skies on Monday mornings around 9 a.m. Pacific time. I send out a tweet soliciting your questions. You respond to that tweet. I will get you in the show. If you're not a Twitter user or someone who doesn't tweet, you can email me. The address is LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. One more time, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. We do this every week. Uh, There's Mailbag Monday episode I record on Monday evenings, posted on Tuesdays. If there is overflow, which there will be this week, I'll have a special delivery mailbag episode. Looks like I'm going to record that one on Thursday evening. It'll post on Friday. So if, you, if you're listening to this episode and you have a question or a question comes up over the week while you're watching the Blazers' final two games before the break, send me, send me a tweet, send me an email. I'll get you in the show in the special delivery episode later in the week. Also, a quick correction before we get into mailbag, the mailbag show. Uh, on yesterday's podcast, I said that Robert Covington went to Tennessee Tech, and he didn't go to Tennessee Tech. He went to Tennessee State University. That's the historically black college that uh, Robert Covington went to. He's the only HBCU alum in the NBA. And I got his college wrong, and I'm embarrassed by that, and I apologize. I apologize to the listeners for giving you bad information. I apologize to Robert Covington for disrespecting his alma mater, Tennessee State. Apologies, Robert. And look, I I make a lot of mistakes in this podcast where I just misspeak, but this wasn't me misspeaking. This was just straight-up wrong information, so I wanted to make sure I got that correct. All right, let's get into the show. This first one comes from East Coast Blazers fan Rip City at WV Blazers fan on Twitter who asks, is it time for Rodney Hood to to go play and play Nazir a little more? I can't wait for CJ to be back soon. So it strikes me that Rodney Hood isn't really taking Nazir Little's minutes necessarily. The way the rotation has uh, started to shake out over the last five games, maybe. Uh, Rodney's basically playing one and two. Um, I don't know if he's, he's like the sort of nominal point guard. He's playing a lot of minutes, playing that first shift next to Dame. So he's definitely a two, but he's kind of playing minutes that guards would play. He's playing, um, not Nas's minutes because Nas is coming off the bench early with, uh, with Mello. And so Rodney's actually playing, uh, maybe Ant's minutes. But I led with this question to say this, Rodney Hood is the guy you take out of the rotation. Nazir Little deserves to play more. But right now, Rodney is playing because the Blazers, or because Terry Sots wants another ball handler. He, the Blazers don't have a lot of downhill juice. Uh, the, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. I'm, I'm recording this after the Blazers snapped a four-game losing streak, beat the Charlotte Hornets, and hit a franchise record 24 three-pointers in the process. Uh, they were really good in this game, but they won because they made a bunch of threes. They just don't have a lot of downhill juice. Um, you would want that to be Ant, but he hasn't really shown he's capable of it. No one else really can attack the rim off the bounce. That isn't named Damian Lillard. But Rodney, at least in theory, can dribble and get guys into stuff with with some more um, sort of natural playmaking, decision-making abilities than, than Ant has shown so far this season. So um, I, I think when healthy... Hood is the guy I take out of the lineup, but for now, that's the reason why he's playing. And he's been, you know, he when he's bad, Rodney's just unplayably, terribly bad. But he was pretty good against Charlotte. Uh, he's 
the whole Blazers second unit is still kind of a mess. I don't think there's a good solution there. But when there is a good solution, and his name is CJ McCollum, as you mentioned, yeah, Rodney Hood is the guy you take out of the rotation because Nas can play. Nas, Nas is a player and deserves his minutes. So when you do have another guy who can get downhill um, and, and, and get a little juice going off the off the dribble, has some juice off the dribble, uh, you you got to keep Nas in the rotation because he's he's shown that he deserves it. Next question comes from KJ Ironman one at KJ Ironman one on Twitter who asks, you got to address the big man issue. Why no decent pickup, even a 10-day contract? It's ridiculous. At best, Cousins is there for the taking. So DeMarcus Cousins comes with it. Like, DeMarcus Cousins is the obvious name we all know, but he just he just got a buy. He signed with a team this summer, and then he, they're bad, and he got a buyout to kind of, like, go figure it out because they'd rather play other players. Does that speak well of, like, what he's, what he's up to, both production-wise and... Um, sort of personality-wise, to me, it's a red flag. Um, I will say this: Robert Cov- or Robert Covington, Demarcus Cousins is definitely better than any of their bigs that they have on the bench because they have none. Uh, he's he's better than Harry Giles, even if Giles was healthy. I've said this on a previous episode, and I'll say it again here. But- DeMarcus Cousins isn't my guy. He's a solution and would be an obvious upgrade, but he doesn't help the Blazers' defense in the long run. He doesn't help them win in the playoffs, and he's not better than Ennis Cantor when Nurk is back, and you can't play him next to either of those guys. He's uh, he's a short-term solution, and I feel like you want... I mean, you want anything right now, and that's the real thing. They need to sign someone to that second two-way spot. It's absurd. The Blazers could use an, another ball handler, anyone that could get downhill, anyone that could break down a defense off the dribble. Um, I'm finally back on board with them needing a backup point guard. Or any tall person. Literally either of those two things. I'm not even asking them to use their 15th roster spot. I'm asking them to sign a, a no-salary cap impact second two-way player. It's insulting. I called it malpractice before. I'm moving beyond malpractice. I am now insulted watching this team, knowing that they just won't add a second two-way player for for whatever reason. It's it's absurd. Get out of here with that garbage. They they desperately need another tall person. It's just so clear. Next question comes from Taylor, who asks, The Blazers' body language doesn't look good. Rarely do we see Dame visibly frustrated towards teammates. Is it possible something happened in the locker room? This is reading too much into a four-game losing streak, Taylor. You got me singing about it. I'm, I'm not going to hit you with the hell nah, but Damian Lord played with Hassan Whiteside last year, and through the first two and a half months of the season, I have never seen Dame visibly hate playing alongside someone more than he hated Hassan Whiteside. We aren't even close to that. Uh, He, what on my read is what Dame's, what Dame's sort of body language is, is that he is exhausted by the physical and mental toll. The lack of talent on the rest of the roster causes him to undertake at times. And I think against that, you sent this right. Taylor sent this right after the Laker game. So it's, uh, I totally get it. Like, but that, that just, I think Dame's not dumb. He looks out there and says, wow, we're, we're so freaking far away from being as good as that team is. And I, I can be incredible like he was in the first half and it won't even matter. And I think he just, I think he's just, he's tired. Um, he's tired. I don't, there's no beef. There's no beef. You're just looking at a dude who's mentally and physically exhausted and frustrated with losing. Everyone hates to lose, him included. Next question comes from Jamar, who asks, I'm wondering who you think who you think will finish second on the team in dunks this year. I'm assuming that Derek Jones Jr. finishes first, but with Nurk out, I don't see a clear favorite for this. Could it be Dame? He's been dunking more in the last few games that I can remember him doing. Yeah, uh, Dame had two dunks and one late against the Denver Nuggets last week that I, while watching, I think I was like, oh my God. Oh my goodness. 
like, you know, just kind of, um, dunks that he doesn't always finish. They weren't like crazy hammers in traffic, but, uh, where he beats a guy off the dribble and could just lay it in and says, Nope, I'll go. I'll finish up here. Dame is second on the team in dunks right now. Derek Jones Jr. Far and away. <laughs> He's over 30 Dame. Dame at eight. Ennis Cantor seven. Nurk seven. Covington six. Harry Giles five. We could go further down the list, but I'll stop there. Nazir Little, sneaky, sneaky, um, sneaky choice to climb up the ranks. He dunked twice against the Charlotte Hornets. He's now up to four, which pushes him uh, w- way up the rankings and up towards up towards the top five. But I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Nurk. I'm gonna say Nurk finishes second on the team in dunks. Um, you know, seven in 12 games. So he's he's right on pace to be way up, way up there where Dame has, you know, eight in 31 games. So uh, it's, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a roll with Nurk. I'm a roll with Nurk finishing second. But this is a sneaky good question, Jamar. I really, I really, really like it. Next question comes from Bronny James, D-O at Bob underscore Deager on Twitter, who asks, do you know if Jody Allen is a basketball fan? And if not, do you think this has an impact either way on the Trailblazers on court success? So I don't, the, the, the story was when Paul passed was that Jody Allen was more of a basketball fan than a basketball, or more of, excuse me, of a football fan than a basketball fan. Um, but she really was at a ton of games that that season when Paul initially passed. Obviously, they went to the Western Conference Final. That team was incredibly fun and compelling. Uh, all of us wanted to watch more of that team. They were it was a great story and a great year. Uh, and and the way they won all those home playoff games was fantastic. And you know she was in the locker room game seven in Denver, things like that. So I think she came to really enjoy that team. But from what I have gleaned from, and this is somewhat dated. This is probably a, you know this conversation happened more than a year ago pre pandemic. Uh, talking with Neil about it is that uh, Jody's still involved pretty heavily, but she just doesn't. She doesn't. She's not super into the day to day. She wants a plan. Here's the plan. Here's what we're gonna do. Okay. Here's my sign off. Whereas Paul was like sending highlight. He would be sending Cade Cunningham highlight clips and stuff like that. Like he'd be digging into second round picks in the draft. Like he loved. He loved basketball. So certainly less than that. But. I mean, I think the I think the difference you're seeing, I think the difference you're seeing is that Paul loved basketball so much that he would just spend, um, not like irrationally, but he was, you know, in the early 2000s, a crazy big spender. And um, the way they're doing business is they're being cheap right now, like not signing, a, not adding, not going into the luxury taxes. So they don't want to be a repeater tax is responsible, but not adding a 15th player is, is like the sign of being cheap, right? Like this is, it's weird. It's strange. So I do think it impacts, it has, it has an undeniable impact on their competitiveness. Now, if they added a second two-way player, would they be any closer to winning a championship? Hell no. But they might not get punked by Robin Lopez last weekend. So it has very narrow success. In the big picture, it probably makes zero impact, but it's obvious. Next question comes from Belgian Blazer at Belgian underscore Blazer on Twitter, who asks, follow-up question in response to the question above. Um, if you... After Paul Allen's passing, it was rumored that the team could be sold in the near future. Have you heard anything about a potential sale recently? And if Jody Allen intends to sell our team, would she be less willing to go in the luxury tax? Yeah, I mean, you, the, the like not spending a bunch of money team on the near term is like a thing that you would do if you were selling the team. I think there is, um, there is definitely some, there are some signs that point in that direction. But right 
after Paul passed, I asked someone who would kind of know how this type of thing works and what what sort of the next steps would be. And they said probably it would probably be five years before um, that that happened, that kind of we moved in that direction. Now we're now at about, you know, three years away from that, um, from that initial timeline. So even if it's a year short, if it's four years, we're um, we're getting close to the point where it could happen. I anticipate Jody will eventually sell the team. I don't know if it'll be in the near term, but I don't think she's a 30-year owner. I don't even think she's a 10-year owner. Um, I think this is this was Paul's passion, and I don't think she shares it. And I think that the not going, not being a, a luxury tax team or a repeater tax team is the type of thing you do when you're just being responsible with a thing you own that you could potentially sell. Um, the repeat, like the Blazers are probably going to be a long-term repeater tax team. So avoiding it this year is, has some value. So I wouldn't read too, too, too much into it, but, um, the I mean there's there's just too many signs that suggest like there's just the financial stuff the, the way the team is acting there's just it's obvious that the their mo has shifted a little bit since Paul Paul has passed all right let's come back in the second segment answer more of your questions but before we do that I want to tell y'all about Theragun don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me a podcaster who's just trying to make it through the Stay tension-free. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is also trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes. Like DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, even even Paul George uses Theragun. So look, try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. You can go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Y'all know rockauto.com. It's because they're the family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. And you can go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You'll see that they got everything you could possibly need. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, and get everything you need in a few easy clicks, all of it delivered directly to your door. Plus, the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and you can choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices that you prefer. And y'all, ooh, it's those prices. That's the best part. Because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low, and they're the same for the professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You don't have to do that. 
You can just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right. Shout out to Dre Slaps, who makes the music you're hearing right now. Dre makes all the music for this show, in fact. You can find a link to all of Dre's work, his music, and his merch in the description of this very episode. So make sure you check it out. Appreciate you, Dre. And make sure you're supporting local music. All right, this next question, let's keep rolling mailbag money. This next question comes from James in Beaverton, who asks, About 20 years ago, Tony Dungy left the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who were knocking on the doorstep of greatness because of a strong defense, but could never get over the hump. As soon as he left, John Gruden brought in an offense good enough to take what Dungy left behind to a Super Bowl win. Dungy then went to a team with a great young QB and served his Tampa 2 to replace Indy's poorest defense and eventually got his own ring. If the Blazers let go of Coach Stotts, could Mark Jackson, who provided Golden State with the base defense that Kerr used to vault the Warriors to glory, become Portland's Tony Dungy? No, I don't think he could. Um, Mark Jackson, the you were right. The Golden State Warriors were a top five defense. They were an elite defense Mark Jackson's final years as a head coach. He also used to run post-ISOs for Steph Curry. So, the, I mean, the league has changed and all those things, but I just, I do not see Mark Jackson as this elite coach in hiding. Um, give me any other young coach who has not had a chance in the league over Mark Jackson. His, he, he had an archaic brand of basketball and, um, with, with a relatively simple tweak of playing David Lee a little bit less, an absolute juggernaut was born. He's Mark Jackson isn't my guy. I I do like the idea is that is that Dungy was you know seen as the guy who was replaced who was pretty good replaced and the team gets over the hump and you're saying that he could you know if he gets back to the if Mark Jackson gets another chance and gets his Peyton Manning and Damian Lord he could get over the hump too. Um, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Next question comes from Scott at Scott PTB thirty on Twitter who asks the fire stats debate will only get stronger with each passing year as long as the team doesn't advance deep in the playoffs. Is this a symptom of poorly managed expectations on both sides? How often in the Dame Stotts era have they underperformed or overperformed? I think as a whole, they've managed to meet without dramatically exceeding or falling short of reasonable expectations. Even the sweep versus the Pelicans in 2018 wasn't much of a surprise when you consider it took a late-season 13-game winning streak to get to the third seed that year. Those teams were more evenly matched than their typical 3-6 series. I don't know. In the West, 3-6 has been pretty even, I think, for a little while. But go on. Where I've landed is that I do think it's possible for a coach to help a team overperform. In my opinion, Stotts hasn't underperformed, but he certainly hasn't wrung all the drops of potential out of the talent he's been given. Is it X's and O's accountability, adjustments, complacency? Who knows? I won't be upset at all if Stotts remains the coach for the entirety of Dame's career. He seems like a good guy and above average coach, but I always wonder what could have been. So yeah, I think I think two years that they dramatically overperformed and underperformed, like relative, like with considering injuries and all that stuff. Like last year, you kind of throw it out. That team was, um, they weren't as good as maybe they thought they were going to be, but uh, you know, they were playing Mario Hazonia and Anthony Tall for a lot of minutes. That roster sucked. Um, 
uh, and they just didn't have anyone to replace Hassan Whiteside when he was having um, bad moments. The 2015-16 season, they way overperformed. Uh, that was a team that was supposed to be a lottery team. They were trying to tank, and uh, Ed Davis and Damian Lillard wouldn't let him. That's right, I led with Ed Davis there. You know, they won 44 games, uh, even playoffs aside, just winning 44 games and getting into the playoffs that year. Uh, no one really... No one, no one, including most of the members of the team, saw that one coming. That was CJ's breakout year. Then they really underperformed the following year. Um, that was when they ended up trading Mason Plumley and getting Nurk. They finished forty-one and forty-one that year, and, and finished in the eighth seed. They that was that was a huge letdown. So I would say those are the two big ones. Every every other year they've hit what where I would agree with you, Scott, is sort of that reasonable range of their expectations, like a mid-range. Playoff team, you know, they finished third a couple times in the West. That's nothing to, to uh, you know, snuff your nose at or whatever. That's third Third in the West is, is a pretty solid accomplishment, but it isn't like crazy outside the range considering the difference between, you know, third and, and seventh in the West was two and a half games or whatever it was. Uh, I think it's a couple things um, with with Stotts and sort of maybe not ringing out all of the, all of the possible talent he can from a roster i think some of it is is he um he kind of lets dame do what he does and i i think for me the biggest argument for replacing terry stotts is not that he's like strategically overmatched or this or this big doofus or like you know someone who answers dwight james's post game questions poorly um he's the argument for replacing him is fresh eyes, right? It is that Damian Lode is comfortable playing a certain way, and perhaps with fresh eyes, he you say, "No, man, let's let's do this. Let's do a totally different thing." I know you've done it one way, but I want you to do it totally different. I want you to try a totally different thing because there's a certain comfort level with the way that Dame wants to play and the way that Terry allows him to play that I think you might end up just running your head into the wall over and over again. You're just going to see those traps in the playoffs and lose because um, both coach and player are comfortable doing one thing and they do it well enough during the regular season to convince themselves, you know, they're going to be a top 10 offense this year. They've convinced themselves that they can get there. So the argument for me for replacing Stotts is not sort of that he's underperformed or maybe he overperformed one season and was rewarded, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's more that after nine years, this team's been pretty good. And I think after nine years is even exaggeration. After the last four seasons, uh, when this team has been, you know, pretty established with who they are with Damon CJ with Nurk in, in tow and all and, and all that is that you kind of know what their ceiling is and that maybe fresh eyes and a, a fresh a fresh take raises that ceiling because they do stuff different and he challenges guys to get them out of their comfort zone. And that to me is the argument is that you take you say Dame you are so damn good what if we what if we got someone to pull the string in another direction so you are outside of your comfort zone and your absolute skills take off but they take off in a different in a different and new way I, I, to me that's that's the argument for replacing Terry Stotts uh, if you I think there are people who think that Stotts is a big dumb dummy and doesn't know how to coach and doesn't know and uh, can't figure out NBA defenses and all these things uh, either coaching NBA defense or cracking high-level NBA defenses. I, that's not really what I'm seeing. I think Terry's probably a, an above-average coach in the league. I don't think he's one of the super, super elite ones, but I think he's an above-average coach in the league. Um, I'm someone who who watches a, a lot of basketball. I'm not by no means like a super X's and O's or NBA, X, NBA sort of like film expert, but um, I, I think he's probably an above-average coach. But the difference is that you could probably find a, 
a another coach of sort of like maybe equal equal whatever strategic acumen but different strategic acumen and that might be the thing that uh that might be the tony dungy you're looking for to stay with that metaphor from james and beaverton but scott i think your point is well taken uh i think me and you are on the same page here next question comes from alex who asks if the blazers don't make it out of the first round of the playoffs do you think coach Stotts will be gone yeah i probably i do actually i do i think uh Without getting too far into that, yes, I think if they and and Jason Quick mentioned this in an athletic athletic Q and A, so um and and he's he's as plugged in as anyone uh, around this team. I think yeah yeah I think that I don't think it's guaranteed, but I think it would be more than likely more likely than not if they lose in the first round of the playoffs and have a stink stinky defense all year long that the the franchise will change directions. All right, let's come back in the third segment, close out the show with more of your questions. But before we do that, let's talk about Bet Online. Y'all know Bet Online, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Look, football might be done, but the NBA's in full swing. There's NHL games every night. College basketball is days away from the postseason. Well, more like 10 days away, but a week and some change away from from the conference tournaments and then the NCAA tournament, a really fun time to uh, to bet on sports if, if you are into it. But if you're not into sports, you can bet on awards, TV shows, reality TV. Bet online has real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. You want to bet uh, over-under on on uh, Carmel Anthony shot attempts? Check it out. Props there on betonline.ag. BetOnline's also got you covered for news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head on over to the website, that's betonline.ag, or use you can use your mobile device, use your computer, works on either one, but head on over to that website, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. But to do that, you got to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Use that promo code, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, and you're still listening to Locked On Blazers. Let me hit you with some names: Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. What do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? Well, if you want to know more, then you got to subscribe to Locked On NBA Draft. It's a new podcast with. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness coming at you four days a week from draft experts who know the deal. They cover college basketball. They know these prospects inside and out. So make sure you subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. All right, let's close out the show. Let's close out Mailbag Monday with more of your questions. This next one comes from Nathan who asks, how much better do the Blazers get when CJ and Nurk return? Talent goes way up, but they will need time to gel. Having CJ and Nurk back also means plenty of Gary Trent Jr. and Carmelo Anthony minutes and plenty of Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor minutes. We should be able to basically compare how the Blazers have done this year with and without CJ and Nurk to gauge how much that is going to be a problem going forward. I think record-wise, they've probably been about the same with both and without either. So Nathan, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm coming all the way along on this journey with you. Uh, right now, the Blazers are uh, eleven and nine without their without CJ and Nurk, 
and it, there's not a, it's not a perfect overlap uh but they were they were 8 and 5 in those in the other games uh, one of those they had CJ and no Nurk so uh you can you can separate that one out as as you see fit but you know they were 8 and 5 with with them uh not great but fine and they're they're now up to 11 and 9 without them uh they've been pretty good uh you know they took they've taken care of business it's been they have you know they haven't they've struggled against the really good teams but they've taken care of them but where I'm not going to go all the way with you, I'm not willing to go all the way with you, is that they're going to take time to develop or take time to gel. Might take Nurks a little bit time to get his get it back. Like he wasn't in great basketball shape, and now he's going to have to try to get back into basketball shape. So it might, I could see the argument that it might take him a little bit of an adjustment. But CJ McCollum is good as hell at basketball, and him and Dame have really good sort of you go I go chemistry, and 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 really they play off each other um, pretty well. I'd like to, honestly, a real criticism of the Blazers, I'd like to see uh, Dame and CJ play off each other more and better. Um, but I'm not worried about integrating CJ McCollum into the lineup next to Damian Lillard. They desperately need him. Um, they get way better. They get way better because everyone gets asked to do something that's more within their skill set. Instead of being the second leading scorer on a team and needing to go for 20 every night, uh, Gary Trent Jr. can kind of fill in the gaps as like a really, really elite spot up shooter and, um, you know, one dribble move, two dribble moves, uh, pull ups off of pick and rolls as a secondary action, not the primary action or not the sort of release valve for Dame, but the release valve as as the tertiary option on a play, right? Like that that really ups his value. It's... uh, I understand your concern of the mellow Trent minutes and the mellow Cantor minutes is they're bad on defense, but um, the mellow and Harry Giles minutes were also a nightmare. And right now the Blazers are going, when they go small, certain teams kill them going small and then they'll have um, just better, better center minutes, 48 minutes of good centers, assuming that Yusuf Nurkic gets back to playing really well and a limit, more limited role for Cantor. He can be more effective and gets, um, gets abused less defensively. So it just, he, they're just better all the way around. Um, I'm, I don't, I don't buy the taking time to gel. I'm, I'm not with it. Next question comes from Colin who asks, I agree with you that even if Dame never played another game for the Blazers, he's the best player in franchise history. (laughs) Let me be clear. That is not what I think. I think Dame is going to be the best player in franchise history, but he's got to get there first. And by that, I mean, once he's the leading scorer and leader in in minutes and and games played and like he has like all the longevity numbers locked up, then I think it's a then I think he's there because of his connection to the team and all the sort of soft stuff and the legacy stuff. Um, right now it's still Drexler, but Colin continue with your question. That said, career achievements aside at the absolute peak of their powers, who is the best player in team history? Walton, Roy Drexler, or is it still Lillard or maybe someone I'm forgetting? I mean, it's, it's Bill Walton. It's, I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, Drexler's close, but he's not super, super duper close. Like Bill Walton was the best player in the league for a season and a half. You know, he was, he whooped Kareem's ass in the playoffs and they won the NBA championship. Then he came back the next year and they went 50 and 10 and he won the MVP despite only playing those 60 games. He was the best player. He was the best basketball player in the, in the world. I was going to say the universe, but you know, Bill Walton believes in multiple universes where there's a Bill Walton who would, 
run big red right off the court. I, I Walton's like Brandon Roy doesn't belong in the conversation. Damon Lord has never quite been that, although he's excellent. He's never been that level. I'm not sure that other than last season that Damian Lord's ever been the best player at his position, much less the best player in the league. Last year he was best point guard in the NBA, but it took strange circumstances. Now he's like arguably the best point guard in the NBA, but there was no arguments with Walton. He He's he was the best player in the league. Drexler, you know, second second in the MVP voting, second best player at his position behind the greatest player of all time. Um, he's close. So if I it's Walton Lillard, eh, Walton. No, I'm sorry, Walton Drexler Lillard, Lamarcus Aldridge, Brandon Roy. But I'm not even. I don't even feel good about that one. Close, close. But it's Walton by a mile. It's Walton by a mile. Next question from is from Tim who asks who is the who is the worst case scenario for the Blazers to face if we end up where we are headed the play in game for the eighth seed conversely who is the best case scenario oh, I'm gonna stop you right there I'm gonna cut this question off Tim the Blazers are fifth in the West and all of their players are hurt I mean I know that the they have had trouble against good teams and the second half of the season is brutal. They're going to play a bunch of good teams and it could be really tough and they're likely to slip in the standings unless they kind of get right a little bit with with, with they're going to really need to raise their play, I should say. Um but I don't think like right now the direction that they're heading is um is not like a guaranteed play in round, right? They're they're somehow treading water above those teams, even even if you don't believe it. Uh, but you know, check the standings when you're listening to this podcast. I promise you, Tim offers these as best and worst case for the for play in rounds. Best case scenario is OKC. Worst case is Golden State, or the Pels, or Denver. So, um, yeah, I is. I don't think is Oklahoma City going to finish tenth. Like, are they going to be in that in that world? If they are, then hell yeah! Like that team is significantly worse than the other teams you mentioned. Um, I don't see the Pelicans as like a really really bad matchup for the Blazers. Uh, they don't shoot a ton of threes, and they're really big, but the and they can rebound. I don't think they have anyone to guard Zion or Brandon Ingram. But the way you like. You just beat them with math. You you clog the paint and beat them with math, and you bet the Pelicans won't hit enough threes in a series. And that if you really, really clog the paint on Zion, it gets hard. Brandon Ingram takes a bunch of tough twos. Um, I'm not. I wouldn't be too worried about the Pels in, in a in a series. Denver's they're just a really good team. You wouldn't want to see them in the playoffs. Golden State um, depends on their health, but they Draymond and Steph have really had the Blazers number, so I, I don't think you want to play them either. But again, bring. I mean, like if. If you think the Blazers are a playoff team, how are you going to be scared of Golden State? Like if you if you think this team is good, and how are you going to be worried about those matchups? To me, the whole thing with the Blazers sort of matchups is don't finish lower than fifth, because if you finish sixth, you're playing one of the LA teams or the Jazz, and you are losing in the first round of the playoffs. You finish fifth, maybe playing Phoenix, maybe playing Denver. Those are beatable teams in the playoffs. You're right there with those teams if you're healthy. You just got to finish above six. Give yourself a chance if you finish fourth or fifth. Like that's you're right in the mix. That's not easy to do, but um, that's how you avoid the worst case scenarios. This next question comes from Kyle, whose friend bet that I wouldn't bet five dollars that I wouldn't answer this question. So congrats, Kyle. You just you got yourself 
You got yourself a crisp Lincoln. Don't spend it. Actually, spend it all in one place. Treat yourself. Kyle asks, if the Blazers clinch a playoff spot somewhat early, do you think there's a ch- any chance Dame realistically gets some rest before round one? I'm curious to see how or if at all it would affect his performance. Damon Lillard would be better with rest, but that's not the team he plays for, Kyle. If the Blazers clinch a playoff spot early, it's going to be one day early. Um, the West is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a fight all the way to the last week of the season. Um, the Blazers are not, unless something weird happens, the Blazers are not going to have like several days to give Dame off and end up where they want to end up. Like They're going to be... All every all seventy two of these things are gonna count. So Dame's gonna be tired. Um, it's it stinks because you you'd really like him to have that time off, physically and mentally. I think the the mental drain of this season of how compact it is and all those things. I think we're I don't think and all of just the coronavirus stuff and how much you're stuck in your hotel room on the road. It's just it is a taxing taxing season in a way that I just can't quantify. Um, and part of my, I feel like part of my analysis, like just of the team is somewhat is kind of blind maybe because I just don't have a way to, to gauge how much that is impacting them, but it is, it's impacting all of us in our everyday lives. And we're not trying to play high level basketball under like semi quarantine rules. Like I'm sure where you, many of you live, there are rules about what you can and cannot do, but you can break them because it doesn't really matter. Like, I mean, it does matter. Please, please follow them. But like, you're not going to lose your job or like be publicly embarrassed for breaking them. You're just going to be a bad neighbor, you know, or, a, or whatever, a, a, like a bad citizen, but you're not going to get in trouble at work. Like these guys are, it's, um, um, it's there's a there's a real tax, but um, it's sorry, uh, Dame's not getting time off. They're gonna have to keep playing. Next question comes from Sir Weezy at Weezy Sir on Twitter, who says, as a Portland resident, out of curiosity, with winter hopefully in the rearview mirror and possibly spring weather on the horizon, what is your go-to ice cream spot? Weezy, how long you lived in Portland, dog? We're not getting warm weather till July. June is like the worst month in Oregon. For my money, we get one warm weekend in May that fools us all. And then June is incredibly depressing. Uh, Wheezy, I clicked on your Twitter profile to see if you were like a new resident or something like that. And you said that you're from the 757. Shout out to Virginia Beach, Southeast Virginia. My family's from Northeast North Carolina. So that's that's right there. That's home, baby. 757. I knew that. Uh, I knew that area code without looking it up. Shout out to my uncle, Matt. Um, my favorite ice cream spot in Portland. Now that I've done enough area code shoutouts, it's it's um it's Fifty Licks on Mississippi. Uh, I like Salt and Straw. I'm not a big I I'm not I don't mind a big ice cream guy. So waiting in line for Salt and Straw is like a little too much for me. I'm a Cookie Monster. That's my that's my suite of choice. But uh, Fifty Licks on Mississippi. It's it's in the front parlor of Lovely's of Lovely's the pizza place. Uh, it's it's really good. It's just they make really good ice cream. So if you haven't checked that out. Um, 50 licks is, is, is right up there for me, probably at the top. Last question of the show comes with a little explanation. It's from Christopher Trong at Christopher T35 on Twitter, who asks, why don't the Trailblazers go all in and just go for it? If we've got a championship and then suck for 10 years, I wouldn't mind at this point. We've always been usually an above average team. This, that seems like who we are. It gets a little exhausting and boring. So, Christopher, I use this as a jumping off point. The reason why the Blazers don't go for it is because how the hell are they going to go for it? They don't have the ammo to go for it. 
like even if you trade CJ and Gary Trent Jr., what like are you? Does that get you? What you need to be a championship level team is probably two players who are like in the top fifteen, right? Two of the top fifteen best players in the league, maybe two of the top twenty, and then two more guys who are in the top fifty, right? Like you need a lot of high end depth, but you need a top ten player. Dame checks the box. Then you need another player who's close to it, right? Like that's that's about right. And then you need a, like three and four down the line who are right up, who are, you know, in the top 15 in the league. Um, the Blazers probably have two of those guys, but but CJ is just, he's not, he's not, like if he gets back to playing like he was before he got hurt, then this kind of changes the thing, changes the calculation a little bit. But um, he, I just don't think with the money he's owed, for the next three seasons and his age and his sort of like larger body of work and what people know about him, that he's he's not big ammo to bring in a James Harden or even a Paul, the Paul George type trade in the of of recent seasons. Like I don't think they can just go for it. I think a couple years ago maybe they could have pushed their chips in before, um, you know, before things kind of turned over in 2016 and 17. But I don't think they can do that now. They're, they've traded two first-round picks for Robert Covington, and with the pick protections, they can't trade first-round picks for um, a few years after until that pick conveys in 2022. Uh, they don't have young, can't-miss prospects or some guy, a young player that people think is a future star. They don't have guys who are good and on cheap contracts. Um, Gary Trent Jr. is expiring, he, so you have to pay him next year if you trade for him. They just can't go all in. Like it's it's a nice idea, but it, it takes the right parts, and they don't have the right parts. And I say that to say I am taking a mini moratorium off playing trade machine. I am I'm a little worn out by explaining each week on these podcasts that no, the Trailblazers can't trade for Carl Anthony Towns, and no, they can't trade for Demontis Sabonis, and no, they can't trade for Bradley Beal. Um, I understand many fans find that to be really fun, and they find trades and the idea of trades to be one of the most intriguing parts of the of the year, and 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 the off season and um, and free agency is the most exciting time of the year for a lot of fans, and I respect that, and I I love that you love that, but I have been sent so many illegal trades, trades that don't work w- within the confounds of the league, like they're with they're outside of league rules, so you can't even legally. Um, you know, put them through or trades that just are unbalanced and don't make sense or trades that involve Carl Anthony Towns um, being exchanged for a 30-year-old CJ McCollum. I just, I got to take a little mini break off trades. Uh, if you if you emailed me a trade this week, I'm going to respond to you and give you my take. I'm just not going to do it on the air here. So I'm taking a little, I'm taking a mini break, a mini trade moratorium um, I know trade season's coming up, and and I'm not I'm not anti trades. I'm just anti I'm just anti being your trade machine for right now. Um, it I think it's I think it's kind of the least interesting part of of mailbag each week, um, and I don't want to get bogged down by it. I felt like last week's mailbag was really trade heavy. Uh, I love I, I really appreciate that everyone wants to be involved. So I'm not hating on your questions, and I'm not even hating on you saying trades are the most interesting part of the team, but. Uh, they gave me the microphone. I get to make decisions. I actually bought this microphone myself, uh, if you want full disclosure. but So we're taking a mini trade moratorium, in part because of Christopher's question. How do you go all in? They can't. They're not swinging a big trade. Let's be realistic. That said, I'm now going to list off my top 25 destinations to trade Rodney Hood. 
Just kidding. What I am going to do is ask you if you, like I said, we're doing a special delivery mailbag. So if you're listening to this uh, and you have a relevant question for this week, that one's going to post on Friday. I'm going to record it Thursday night, post Friday morning. So send me your questions. Blazers play two more games this week. Golden State, Sacramento, a chance to take care of business and go into the uh, go into the to the all-star break, go into the, the break, the mid-season break in a really nice position. You also have a chance to blow it. That's the nature of having not played the games yet. Regardless, should be a fun week. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are too. I always appreciate mailbags. The one of the they're my probably my favorite episode each week. So I hope you do too. If you want to get involved in the future, email the show, lockedonblazerspot at gmail.com or tweet at me at Mike G. Rich. Also do me a favor, just tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.